0: This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Tuesday the 27th of June 2023. And today a question, what could AI do for disabled people? You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Ah, my old friend, my old mucker, my old arty. Uh, that didn't sound right. Uh, <laughs> yes, Sean Priest is here. Hello. Hello, Stephen. How are you, my friend? <laughs> do you know what I love, right? We say hello as if yes. we've just spoken for the first time. It's like we do this whole dance every day of, <laughs> oh, we've just... It's, oh, hello, it's you. Well, I haven't spoken is- to you
1: in, oh, three minutes. Three seconds. Yeah, like three seconds. A continuation of a six-hour conversation. We just hit record <laughs> on it. Ah, but we have fun.
0: Yeah, I got an email from Shazad again. I, oh. I think he loves you. I've realised this. He loves you. He does not love me. That's what I've come to the conclusion. Well, but, you I'm, know. Sad.
1: Oh, well, I'm sad. Well, I'm sad because what, of Shazad. What does he say?
0: well he says that uh, we should do
1: more of this. More? Um, we yeah. do it every day. How, how much no, we more do you no, want? We don't do it every day. That's the point. We don't do it on Sunday. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, we have Sunday off. How dare we? Um, well, we could do it every day, Stephen. As you said, you know, we, we've probably recorded seven episodes in that last conversation if we hit record. <laughs> wow. Uh, he also wants to show extended uh, by an hour. Uh, so, um,
0: yeah, you need to talk to him about that one, Shazad. But uh, I, I think, you know what, I think you've got to leave the audience wanting. To, oh, we definitely to, find do. The, to find the pause button or the next button or the get <laughs> out of here button,
1: we love doing this, Shazad, and we love the feedback. By the way, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah we do. We honestly, we enjoy doing this. Um, but could we do more? I don't know. I think I think enough's enough. We'd make people sick of it, wouldn't we? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know we enjoy it, but you know, <laughs>
0: yeah, other people need to enjoy it as well. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? You can have too much of a good thing. Any more platitudes? Anything else?
1: Uh, no, I think that's enough. Uh, we'll A Lonely it fish
0: is the same as... No, hang on. What was, what was the thing about fish? I have too many fish, spoil the broth. No, plenty of fish in the sea. That's what I was thinking. Oh. That's a different one. And what was the other one? Absence makes the heart grow fonder, but that doesn't make sense because we're not going anywhere. Oh. well, I, Too much of a good thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's <yeah>. terrible. Uh, <laughs> God yeah, bless you, Mr. always
2: wait
1: for the oh, call.
0: Wow! One day he's going to listen to this and he's going to say, "Why are we broadcasting this absolute tosh?" <gasps> Steady, now.
1: Are we? Is he okay with that word? Yeah, no, we got away no, with that it's one. Fine. It's fine. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't know if this is. If you're not hearing
1: this, you know the answer. <laughs> <sighs> so, we yeah, talk about tech, Stephen. <laughs> wow sorry well wow. <laughs> i was not
0: expecting that i have to say that was not expected
1: we're only Help. three minutes in i know i know I haven't it's done my so... usual ramp up of nonsense sorry we'll get there we'll, we'll come back to it circle back i spent last night in a hotel right <laughs> well, hang
0: on let's let's leave that there <laughs> hang on <laughs> i think joita did an episode about this once <laughs>
1: I love that episode. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) um, Now, uh, totally unfamiliar surroundings, okay? Uh, Mm -hmm. Great, great assistance. got up to the room, no problem. And when I stay in a hotel, I stay in a hotel. I mean, (laughs) I'm not going out. I don't care what amazing restaurant or shops are just down the road. I am not leaving that hotel room. Basically, it becomes my shed. Yes, my phone died... And the lack of tech, it was like I was thrown back a thousand years. I couldn't read the menu for room service. I couldn't work the TV. I couldn't. It was amazing. I I just, I I realized, and I know people are going to say, well, this just shows how reliant on tech and how you need to hone up on your VI skills. You're probably absolutely right. But why was it? It was missed, let me put it that way. Uh, the smartphone has just changed the way I do everything. It is just so useful every day. And, um, man, did I miss it. There. well, For the, the 30 minutes, I had to wait for it to charge up.
0: <laughs> you know, equally, though, no matter how much echolocation you do, it's not going to tell you what the temperature is on the air conditioning.
1: No, exactly. And look, I, as I said, the assistance was great. But you know, I, I, I rang for uh, I rang reception and said, "Oh, can you send someone up just to put my TV? I wanted to watch Glastonbury. Sir Elton John was amazing." For those um, that
0: don't live in uh, Britain, by the way, that is a festival of uh, enjoyment for people know, who enjoy their music uh, and enjoy being in a muddy field. I'm
1: sorry. I know we're internationally. I know we're we are, global. Yes. But everyone knows Sir Elton no, they John. Don't. I, 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 I've, tell, yeah, I didn't know Sir Elton all, John. It, it's all over the yeah, uh, Glastonbury. Yeah. Anyway, yes, a big concert. Elton John. Local news that. So I rang ran, <laughs> down for reception <laughs> to get someone to work the TV for me, and yeah, you know, it, it took like an hour for someone to come up, and then you start to feel guilty about what? Well, do I ring him now after twenty minutes and say where Where are you? I'm blind. I need help. I, you know, I don't. I don't like that whereas you know i could have sorted that out with with the use of a a smartphone seeing ai or something i don't Mm -hmm. know what be my eyes ira um yeah it just made me realize wow i'm so thankful i've got the smartphone i love you smartphone there i've said it so you did have a charger with you right i did yes now, <laughs> as much as I love the smartphone, I made a terrible, terrible mistake by updating every phone I had to uh, the beta of iOS. Yeah, that is just, just ridiculous. I told you to do that. And I've got one MagSafe charger here, which is the one I brought with me, which seems not to actually charge it. And if I have the, you know, the phone actually unlocked, then it just, even if on the charger, it doesn't charge up. If I'm lucky, it'll sustain itself, but usually it goes down and down. So, yeah, I had to wait a long time for my phone to charge up.
0: Do you know, the thing is that it's not even the... Well, the smartphone is obviously a major part of it all, right? But it's the inaccessibility of all of these features, even today, right? I mean, I remember watching an Apple presentation, and it must have been about five or six years ago, and they were demonstrating how the Apple Watch could unlock a hotel room door... And, you know, you could use your phone with an NFC. Obviously, it's got NFC built in now, so you could use it to open a hotel door. It could even control the room. You just download an app and providing it was accessible. You'd be able to use everything in the room. I remember staying at a hotel once that had all this. Mm-hmm. And it was a really nice hotel. The weird features within it, like you could change the entire room colour. You know, it was, all, <gasps> it was all LED strip lights. You'd love it. I know you're obsessed with these things.
1: This is a hotel from the future. What are you It talking was a about? hotel...
0: From the future. I was, was living in, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't Japan. It was in Britain. It was in Scotland. Wow. The future here? I uh, know, very unusual. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a hotel chain that kicked up here. And the whole thing was app-driven. So room service, um, the, the facilities, the television, uh, everything. Everything was controlled through this Sounds app. Sounds amazing. Please say the
1: app was accessible.
0: It was not the most accessible. Oh, that was the downside to it. I did you stumble struggle with on it. that. And the thing was, I had better vision then. We're talking years ago, I had better vision then. And even then, I still, with the best will in the world, I had to adopt the yes, the zoom application.
2: Oh, oh
0: dear, yeah, yeah. That's I... how bad it was. But you know what? It was kind of cool, and I thought the great potential here, right? But I mean, despite seeing this years ago being possible. And I know that companies like especially big hotel chains, the huge, I mean, you take one well, like Marriott, for example, or Hilton, these are Sheraton, whoever it is, these huge companies, thousands upon thousands, thousands of hotels worldwide, if not more. And, you know, to, to upgrade all that to the latest takes time. I get that. But you know, it's beaten there's been a lot of time that has passed. And, you know, to build in all that kind of technology, even that stuff would be so much smarter. And, you know, just gone through a global pandemic if no one noticed. And you know that actually helps with cleanliness. If you don't have to touch anything, I remember being on. A, I was on a cruise ship on twenty twenty till end of and the although the ship was built many years before, it was so sort of being launched in twenty twenty because a bit yeah. of a bad year to choose to get yes. a cruise under on, on the way under under uh, way. That's what I was trying to find. Yes, well, um, thank you. And <laughs> under sail, <laughs> but. Going on there, everything was it was because on cruise ships, as we all know, they are notorious for bugs, yes, and you know you one person gets a bug and suddenly woof everyone's got it, so you know they do everything they can to try and be as hygienic as possible and this particular ship that had launched nothing on it you needed to touch pretty much everything was non touch now that can be a problem for us as well because if you can't touch it or touching it doesn't achieve anything. That can be a problem because there's a lot of feedback you get, for example, with lights telling you it's good to go. So the, the classic example was the the doors for the bathrooms. All of them, you had to just swipe a hand in front of and a light would come on and the light would flash to tell you if it was in use, if the toilet was in use and the, if the door wouldn't open. Oh, right. But if, okay. but if you swiped your hand and it did open, then you were okay to go in. And then you had to close it using one swipe, and then lock it using a different swipe. Oh it was no! So weird. Gesture controlled. I didn't like gesture controlled <laughs> toilets. And you know we all know the trouble we've had with these things in the past. Uh, and that was a bit of a nightmare because I couldn't tell with the colours on the on the panels what was actually going on. Someone had to explain, and thankfully it was able to. I I could basically work it out because it was like top light and then bottom light. I felt like I was in the Squid Game. Um, uh, right, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was it. But it just you know that is the kind of technology that's starting to come through. The problem, of course, for us is a lot of this stuff, it may be futuristic, but it's actually becoming less accessible rather than more accessible,
1: which is not what we were promised. Yeah, but see, the thing with the smartphone is it, I just see it as a universal interface, and it, but it all relies on that app or yeah. whatever it is to be accessible in the first place. But it's so much um, more likely to get us somewhere then you know, a touch-sensitive button on your washing machine or your blender or whatever it may yeah, be or yeah. whatever else. I just It really showed me when I stayed there that, you know, from an accessibility point of view, still there's so much work to be done. We're using this tech for workarounds, basically, when you yes. shouldn't necessarily have to.
0: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But, you know, I still think the weirdest thing in a hotel room Apart from, well, there's a lot of things that are weird in hotel rooms. But one How's thing is the phone itself. <laughs> really? Yeah, it had old a I had the Five. I was happy. Yeah, but some of them don't even have numbers. Really? Yeah, I had one in a hotel. It was just like a big strip of buttons. Each button had a purpose, right? Oh, uh, right. No yes. idea what the purpose is where. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just hitting any button, hoping it will ring. You know, yeah. I'm
1: through to the laundry, laundry. service. Can yes. you bring me a, a hamburger, please? <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Um... Can, See, I tell you,
0: then... can I tell you a quick story on this, right? I, I remember of when we were, were in Vegas for CES, and we, we were delayed because of the... We were due to leave, I think, on the Friday, and we had to wait till the Saturday because of oh, a terrible storm in Denver or something, which delayed all the flights, and they cancelled our flights. So there was no way back out of the US that day at all. And so we said, right, okay, fine, we'll just stay till the Saturday. And the hotel room phone didn't work. Now, for anyone who's been to Vegas and stayed in one of the hotels on the Strip, you will know they're the worst hotels to stay in because of the size of them. They're fantastic hotels. They have everything in them you could ever want, but they are huge. And I am not a slow walker when I get going, right?
1: I do walk fairly fast, despite you know what people might think. I actually do move pretty fast. <laughs> you do. I can testify to that. Yeah. Because I was hanging off your shoulder when you were guiding me about. You're like a, you're like a, a racing car slash bulldozer combined to one. <laughs> it's a scary sight. Well, from the door of my hotel room to the reception front desk,
0: I timed it on my watch 25 minutes it took to get there.
1: That's crazy.
0: So can you imagine how I felt having to think, now I need to go down (laughs) and tell, I've just come up here. I need a golf cart. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, is there any other way? I kept trying to find a shortcut or something, but there was no other way at all to get down to that reception other than walking this 25-minute route. It was unbelievable. So- yeah, you know, the, t- the technology can fail on many, many levels. Of course, you can't even call the hotel, right? Because they don't even have a number anymore. It's just some random number that takes you to a call centre somewhere.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Something- oh. Oh, the life two is Muppets, hard. aren't we? Those two Muppets that sit on the balcony and just shout. Yes. That's what we've become.
1: <laughs> Waldorf and Stedler, Stadler or something. Or something. Yeah, I and the pencil people. Oh, that's something else. I thought they made salads. Anyway. That's uh, my safe word. We're off. <laughs> Back to the hotel. Stop it now. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, so, coming up today,
0: uh, we're going to have an interesting conversation. All thanks to Darren from Bexley and Kent, who uh, got in touch to tell us uh, about his thoughts on our Braille discussion last week, but also to pose a question. And that question relates to artificial intelligence and, in particular, disability. How can AI enable us? make our lives better? And how can we benefit from it? And I think this is a great question, Sean, because actually, you know, there's so much going on in the space of AI. And you could argue that pretty much everything right now is being labelled as AI, no matter what it is. Yes, absolutely. It's It's like when COVID came along, every single thing that happened in life was down to COVID. Yeah. Guy hit by a bus, it's COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, the bus had COVID, and it hit the guy. Yes. Um, and that was <laughs> that was where we were at, right? It's the same thing with this. Everything is AI. Well, it's and like your toaster. Everything's smart. That is Even fantastic. If it's do you know what that toaster does? The other day- Toast. I had, yes, but do you know what? I had frozen bread, like, in a mm. freezer. Yeah, yeah. And I was able to take this toast and put it into this device, press the frozen button. <gasps> wow. And it cooked it to perfection. Wow. <sighs> That's amazing, that Stephen. I was. I'm so. We are having toast every night. It's actually to the point I'm getting sick of bread. <laughs> I'm actually getting sick of bread
1: <laughs> just to hear that
0: when every, it, sucks it's not, it's, it down. It's, I, I'm loving the toast, but we only bought a two slice. Ah oh, well, and that's that was a big mistake. My wife yep. said, "No, let's not get a four slice. We're not greedy." Mm. And you so know you are. Yeah, because all we do instead is we just have this thing going all the time. It's like, I feel like I'm in the hotel again
1: with those ones that are on the conveyor belt. You just throw the bread in and it goes all the way around. Yes, why can't we buy that? Uh, Anyway, sorry, what were you saying? AI. Oh, yes. Yes. So (laughs) everything is AI. So everything is AI. And
0: I, I think that, you know, this poses an interesting question about what, with all these different strands of what's going on with artificial intelligence, what in particular could benefit us as uh, disabled people, as blind people. And I think there's a lot. I mean, I, I think about one example for me, which is writing. I'm not a writer by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. I, I never would even pretend to be. But AI allows me to just scratch down some thoughts and then put those thoughts into GPT and say, right, turn this around, turn this into a blog. And it does yeah, it. it. And does. the only thing it doesn't get is my voice yet. And I think that's something that will take time, I guess. And this, I don't know... I don't know if this thing is learning itself on a general scale, or whether it's learning on a personal level, with you know, like per account. So if I log in with my account, it's going to start sort of getting to know me, oh, or whether yes. it's just getting. This to, is Stephen. Yes, I don't know if it does that, or whether it's more. Is it doing that, or is it doing more of the
1: highly Actually mind? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, Everyone's—it just takes ingests everyone's sort That's of thinking, style yeah. and personality. Yeah, so it's going to take some time, right? But it is just a tool, right? The way you're using it there, because I've seen a lot of people up in arms, but it's just a tool. Just like spell check, you still got to go back and look at what it throws out at you and yeah. make it your own.
0: Well, stick around. I'm going to get into this in more detail. Samuel Pruell is joining me next uh, from Fable Pathways. He's here to talk about his thoughts on all of this. He's got plenty to say. Stick around. This is Double Tap on AMI Audio.
1: The double tappers now, 1 803 4567, or email us feedback at doubletaponair.com.
0: And today we are going to talk all about a subject brought up by Darren, who got in touch with us by voicemail. Let me bring in at this point Samuel Prue, who is known to us. He's been here talking about many different things. Uh, recently, but of course, uh, very well known for Fable and Fable Pathways
2: in particular. And uh, Sam joins us now. Hi, Sam. How are you? Hey, great to be here. Um, doing great. A little bit rainy in Ottawa, but can't complain.
0: Well, where's it not rainy? Look, I mean, look, we're in the north part, right? You, I think you and I are probably on the same level. No, I only inject geographical terms, I think. You're way higher (laughs) up the scale than I am. But, you know, when it comes Uh to geographical level, I think, you know, we're probably on the same level. So, yes, it's raining, although actually sunny in Scotland today. How weird is that? Wow, uh, we're getting your share of rain. That's why it's coming down so hard. All right. (laughs) We like to give. We're giving people. Um, (laughs) Look, before we get into the whole discussion that we're going to have today, which was brought up by listener Darren, um, I believe you want to praise me like I should
2: well uh <laughs> praise or or blame uh okay, maybe all right um, well do so, years, i guess <laughs> based on the uh, conversations that uh had have been going on about about braille on the podcast last week um i was sort of thinking to myself you know i started out with a braille and speak and a braille light and things like that like i started with braille input and output when i was about nine years old but for the past 15 years i haven't had a braille display haven't okay. used Braille with my phone, and I thought, why? And so I went out and bought myself an orbit uh reader 20. Oh uh, and well I blame done, you entirely. Sam.
0: well thank you. Yes, thank you. I get blamed for you spending your money. How does that exactly. work?
2: Exactly, exactly. Um oh oh man. So if you hear the the clicking in the background, uh that's <laughs> that's what that is. I bought this with the uh thought, oh, it's gonna be I'll I'll take notes while i'm presenting and i'll read all my presentation notes uh and then you know of course i I turn on the display and you hear this yeah Mm. it's not quiet the orbit (laughs) maybe maybe i should have mentioned that last week uh
0: it's (laughs) it is one of the things about it i mean and what uh, well i think that the braille display you can tell me what you think but i think the braille display on it is actually brilliant i think it's a fantastically solid and um, I know there's been a few issues in the early units. I think there was a, quite a few issues, actually, with the early units, but I think they may have and hopefully resolved some of that. But the Braille itself is, is what they call signage-quality Braille, and it is. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's you, amazing. You, you can't read it for long. I think you end up with sore fingers after a while.
2: I I would disagree. Oh, really? Um, I find that I'm touching it with a lighter touch than I have touched any of the previous Braille displays yes, that I've Yes, because you don't need to force your finger down to read it, Right. Yeah, yeah, because it's so firm. Um, you know, whereas the the kind of older style of braille display, the the piezoelectrics, you would it would the dot would kind of press down as you touched it. So it felt like you had to touch it more in a way. Yeah. That
0: makes and sense. it's not spongy braille. You know, no. it's not that spongy type which yeah, it's it's like <laughs> it's like the mechanical keyboards of yeah. uh, of braille. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite solid, but no, it's really it's a great display. And it, how are you finding it with the phone? Have you, are you enjoying it so um, far?
2: It's it's really taken some getting used to, um, and it has made me realize in my mid-30s that I'm a little bit older than I was, mm. because about half of the commands that you use on the phone are very similar to the commands that you'd use with a, with a Braille light or a Braille note or any of those. Yes. But the other half are different. And so I keep trying to use the, you know, Braille and speak commands I learned when I was nine years old on the phone and they're not working. And so I, I think I'm going to have to go through and remap some gestures because. Well, that's that's uh, true. You can change
0: things there. So yeah. at least you've got options too. And that's the thing now with the Apple side of things. You can customize
2: a lot more than you could before. Yeah. Yeah. I also took it off of uh, the EVB, Universal English, English Braille, because I learned yeah. U.S. grade two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know UEB, And uh, I, so I think what we're learning about me is that I don't want to learn new things. I'm just going to remap my device and customize the <laughs> Braille table so I don't have to learn anything. <laughs> they
0: should just have classic mode, right? They should just have classic mode. It's, it's, narrator has this. I was going through Narrator settings and there's a different keyboard layers. And for people who want the original Narrator layout, he just set it mm. for that. That's a great idea.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't know how the people who currently make sort of uh, Braille notes and Braille and speaks uh, would feel about Apple having like a Braille light compatible mode, where all of the commands are the same. <laughs> well, I think that's a great
0: idea, right? Because, you'll, again, this is all about inclusion, right? It's including people mm-hmm. in. And inclusion often comes at the cost of exclusion. So, you know, mm-hmm. you include someone, you exclude someone else. And I'm not really keen on that. I think just give people as many options as possible, you know. And so if you can have an option which takes you back to that typical mm-hmm. mapping, um, even like a profile, you know, capability yeah. on it. You could say just add this profile, and someone could—no doubt, someone will just create the profile somewhere. Oh yeah, exactly. Just download just it and share.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just share it, and, and and away you go. Um, yeah, but I I am enjoying. I am finding it. It's funny. I thought I haven't written braille in so long. Will it come back to me? It was like riding a bicycle. After about ten minutes, I was mm. comfortable uh typing just as fast or faster on my braille display, um, as I did with a Bluetooth keyboard. Well,
0: I look forward to hearing much more about this and a full demo to come. Oh, thanks, Sam. That was really good of you to, appreciate, to offer to do that. Honestly, Absolutely. it's just payback, I think, for uh, you know me making you buy one. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: There we go. Although the, the, the beauty of the Orbit is that there's not a lot to demo, right? You, yes. You get important. NVDA connected to it, you get VoiceOver connected to it, and then you forget about it. It's just there. Yeah. It just works. It's like Apple. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah. It, it it just, like I remember back in the day, you'd, you'd plug this thing in and then, okay, well, it's on Comport 2 and you have to set the bot right this mm-hmm. way. and then- <laughs> Yeah. This is what put me off. This As soon as I heard all that stuff, I thought, no, I,
0: I don't have the brain for this, right? I want to plug and play. I just want to mm-hmm. plug this thing in. I, I don't want any ridiculous nonsense, you know, that's coming up on that screen. I just want the text I'm hearing on that display. I don't want to have all this extra stuff, but... I think, you know, there's going to be a compromise somewhere in that one. But, uh, yeah, I must admit, I think using the Braille display, I would love it to have a QWERTY keyboard, but let's not go there. Uh, Right, so, uh, although the Optima will, I I guess. So, yeah, maybe one day. Um, Anyway, let's talk about the reason we're here. Darren got in touch with a fantastic question. And uh, this question, I think, is going to spark a lot of conversations, but we're going to have this conversation with you. Let's hear what Darren said in his voicemail to us last week.
1: As disabled people, I think that AI is going to make our lives a lot better than it could be for non-disabled people. So I think disabled people are going to benefit
0: a lot more. The reason I say this is because if you're fully able-bodied, You look to the future in some ways, like getting old, and that could be with a bit of trepidation. But I think as disabled people, because all these things are coming down
1: the track with AI, it could be the best thing for us. So I wonder if as disabled people, uh, the future could be bright with AI.
0: Could the future be bright with AI? Now, I think we we should start this conversation by saying that you're here from the Fable organization. Tell people Mm -hmm. who don't know about that, briefly if you can, about Fable and, and what it does.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So Fable is focused on getting organizations to test all of their digital products with people with disabilities and to integrate people with disabilities into not just sort of the testing at the end but the design and the ideation and the the development because the way that we get true accessibility is by building accessible foundations by integrating it from the start and the best way to do that is to involve the voices of people with disabilities and that just leads so nicely into this conversation then because you know mm.
0: ai feels new to a lot of people right especially in the implementations we're hearing about today we know that the geeks amongst us will be saying, it's been around since the 60s. and it, Yeah, it has been, yes. And it's been building towards this for many, many decades. But you know, we're at I a mean, point, we're at a point now where it is starting to implement itself into everyday life. And the question is, how can we as disabled people
2: benefit from that? I mean, we say it's been around since the 60s, Stephen, but there's kind of a, a famous aphorism about AI, which is that, Whenever something becomes successful, they move the goalposts and say, oh, well, that's not AI, right? Think <laughs> yes. about optical character recognition in the 90s. The idea that you could you could put a book on a scanner and then the computer could read the print. If I came to talk to you about that today, you'd say, well, that's not AI. That's not what I mean. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, you probably remember. You're of an age to remember the, the deep blue and the IBM, the chess-playing computer. Yes, AI. The computer is going to play chess better than any human. Well, we've done that. A computer can beat almost all of us at chess. And we said, well, that's not AI. That's just programming, you know. And so every time something sort of goes mainstream, becomes mainstream, we move the goalposts for what we mean when we use the term AI a little bit further down the field. And then we move the goalposts and then we say, how come we don't have AI yet? Right. You can already see it sort of starting to happen with these new implementations. People, instead of calling them AI, are starting to call them large language models. Right. And saying, oh, that's
0: not AI. Are you saying that it's, it's almost as if people are looking for a living, breathing robot that can communicate with you to walk in the room and then we go, that's AI?
2: Yeah, like a like a like the Star Trek computer right or like or like how well, that that there that's AI but as soon as we get that we'll probably say well okay but like can it feel emotions really can it fall in love with you oh this isn't AI this is just a walking talking computer right mm. <laughs> so you think we're still at the what is AI stage I I think we're still at the what is AI stage and I was listening to and reading, as I do over the weekends, a few great articles and books talking about how AI as a term is kind of a bit of a problem because what does AI stand for? Well, it stands for artificial intelligence. What is intelligence? I've had many debates with my animal-loving friends. Was a cat more intelligent or is a dog more intelligent, right? And we have this big argument, and suddenly we realize that, well, we're not we're not quite sure what intelligence means we're not even quite sure to to how we decide if one human is more intelligent than another human and now we're having these discussions and we're trying to say well is google's language model more intelligent or is microsoft's language model more intelligent and we have to stop and think for a minute what do we mean intelligent what does that mean i think at
0: this stage what that means is you know can it get the answer right that seems to be yes. where we're at in that debate, right? So if if you ask both a question, if you ask Bard and OpenAI's ChatGPT a question, uh, and you know both give you you know an answer, and one is closer to the answer, then that's the better AI. That seems to that seems to me where we're at
2: with that. Yes, but if you ask your cat the same question, it will not get the right answer, and certainly not tell you. Uh, but I would argue that your cat is still more intelligent than today's AI. That's very interesting, yeah. I think what I'm saying is maybe intelligence is not a useful term in this discussion, right? What we're thinking about is accuracy. What we're thinking about is trustworthiness. What we're thinking about is replicability. What we're thinking about is lack of bias. But when we sort of bundle all these things into intelligence and use that word, it becomes hard for us to say what we really mean. It has become the catch-all term
0: for everything that's coming out today. And you're absolutely right. Sometimes it just doesn't feel like it fits. But, you know, we'll just throw it under that headline anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's also it's very useful to say, well, what we want is a more accurate AI. Because if we say what we want is a more intelligent AI, I mean, you and I both know it takes a lot of intelligence to lie and be dishonest, doesn't it? I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I just—I don't know. I—the more I think about this, the more—I mean, I still use the term AI because you have to communicate and you have to talk to people, and people have to know what you mean. Mm. Uh, but I, I did just want to open the, the, the discussion by saying it is important for us to think carefully, especially as people with disabilities, about what we mean when we say these things, and about what will actually make our future brighter in—in in the way that. Darren wants in a way that we all want, in a way that I think is a real possibility and that I have a lot of hope for. Um, but but nevertheless, we need to be thinking about what exactly will bring that future that we all want to see, what will make that future come to pass. Well, well let's dig into that question because you're right. There's You
0: could unpack a lot from just the question Darren has asked, right? What is AI? What, it is, what is intelligence? What is the role it has to play with disability? Does it even have a role? But I think the question comes from the examples of what is being called AI mm-hmm. and how they are start. These examples are starting to infiltrate everyday life. You know, it's starting to create opportunities. Now, look, you can see there are many industries that will fall to the wayside. I, I have a friend of mine who was doing web design and has just given up. Just said, I can't do it anymore because they can just get they can get AI to do it for them. There are voiceovers in our world, voiceover actors, not voiceover mm. the screen reader, voiceover <laughs> actors who are deeply worried about the, the the quality of artificially intelligent voices and even cloning technology that's going on at the minute that can make most people, not me yet, but you know, <laughs> thankfully, although I'm sure it'll come, uh, you know, will make it possible for someone's voice to be replicated to the point that you can very easily trick someone into thinking that that is the voice of that individual. I've done it myself, I've done some examples of it where I had uh, some of our team here uh, have their voices replicated, and they couldn't tell, they they were actually scratching their head saying, I don't remember recording that. Well, you didn't. Yeah. (laughs) So that shows Um... how good it's getting. And that's, I think the, you know, and you can see, you can be fearful of that. And I think we all are a little bit fearful of that, but you can also see the benefits and the potentials out of that. And
2: I think that's that's the the nub of what Darren is asking. And and we also need to remember some of these industries that that yes, I think may may fade away, may fall, maybe maybe a little bit in peril. Are very new industries that didn't exist thirty years ago, right? Think about audiobooks in in nineteen eighty. Audiobooks were recorded by often unpaid volunteers for blind people, right? It was only kind of in the 2000s and 2010s that MP3 players and all these things made distributing audiobooks cost-effective and made them convenient and popular kind of amongst sighted folks. And this whole industry of audiobook narration grew up but that industry didn't exist in the 80s. There were certainly no web designers in the 80s, right mm-hmm. And the world got on fine I, I think right I, I, I was a very small child in the 80s, but I don't think there was sort of you know mass starvation um, and and so yes, I think some of these industries will fall, but I think it's important for us to recognize as we have this discussion that industries change will change have continued to change uh i mean there are no more sort of people blacksmiths making horseshoes uh and there never will be again um and that's okay and that's not something to be afraid of because the world changes the thing that we have to be thinking about is how are we going to manage that change so that it doesn't disrupt people's lives and destroy people who made their livelihood doing this work for 20 years and make sure that they are taken care of through this transition.
0: I mean, let's look at the
2: positives here in some ways, right? Because I think Mm -hmm.
0: about, for example, uh, I have never really been what I would consider to be in any way a writer, right? I've never really been into writing. Uh, Mm -hmm. I love the idea of it, but I just, I'm not good at it. I can talk. (laughs) God knows I can talk, (laughs) but I can't write. And, you know, one thing with OpenAI and ChatGPT is it's enabled me to get thoughts down, rough scratch notes, turn that into something which is actually legible, makes sense, mm-hmm. and I actually am quite surprised at it. And I think, wow, I could start a blog. I've never yeah. done that before, but I could because yeah. I wouldn't have to put as much thought into it in the sense that I wouldn't have to worry about where the commas and the the, the full stops go. I can focus on what it actually says and what's what I'm mm-hmm. saying in there, which, you know, that that kind of opens up a... new area right i mean how many people are using gpt for for all the work they're doing today
2: probably a lot of people right maybe not tell you but they bet they are well and and some of them are are very open um one of the co-hosts of uh one of the other podcasts i do um is very open about the fact that she is um dyslexic and struggles to write long form text Mm. and so gpt for her is an accessibility tool, right? She's got all the ideas and she can put them in in point form and she can make sure that um, you know, all of these things are written in a way that looks more professional and is easier to read and is easier to understand than she could have otherwise managed on her own. And so that is a way that AI is already making the future brighter for people with disabilities. And that's one area, OK? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the voice
0: cloning was interesting. A friend of mine who works in broadcast news said one of the things he gets asked to do a lot, he's, he's totally blind, he gets asked mm-hmm. to read quotes, sometimes quite long quotes. And he has to read them verbatim because there's no other way around it. He says, if I can clone my voice, if I have control over this and I can, can, can you know can clone my voice, I can get it to read my mm-hmm. quotations Without me having to you know sit and read line by line. You know. It's one thing doing the reports, the the, the script, the, the the stuff he's doing because it's in his head. But when it comes to quotes, he's not written that. So you can't commit it to memories easily. So delivery is slower and it slows down the process. And if you can literally just drop it into this device and it turns it into audio, what's wrong with that? You know? And I think that again is an example of how that can aid someone in their job. It can also make people Uh, more attractive in the industry, especially disabled people, right, in the industry, in any industry where you can start to see the potential of someone because they're being aided to some degree by the tools. And it's not just them. It's not just disabled
2: people being aided. It's everybody. And I think aided is the important term because there is still going to be somebody deciding what the cloned AI will say, right? Even if ChatGPT is helping you do that, I think we are far away from a world where ChatGPT gpt writes something nobody looks at it it's delivered directly to the cloned newscaster and it goes right out on the air right i think i think yes. that world is is quite far away but it, it does raise
0: interesting questions have you i know you write a lot on this as well as, as, as read about it and, and i know that you've been querying yourself i think you've I think I think like we all have. To be fair, we have a little bit of a an existential crisis every so often in our lives when it comes to AI because we we have this moment of thinking, "Oh my God, my career is about to disappear." Uh, you know, yes. b- 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 I'm I'm quite pleased because, as I've said on this show before, they are not uh, creating artificial stupidity. So uh, so <laughs> far, so good.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, I have sort of intentionally tried to get myself into the habit of using AI and and sort of trying to replace some of the things that I would normally do, like web searches, with AI. Because there is a lot of potential accessibility wins, right? How often have you tried to search for a piece of information and now Google gives you your you know 10 results and you click on the first result and this page doesn't have any headings and doesn't have any landmarks and there's five ads that I have to navigate through and finally you find the answer. How much quicker would it be for all of us who are screen reader users, if we could just ask the AI, right? Not even for visual things, not even for questions about images, just questions. I mean, I was, I was looking for the lyrics to a song the other day. And so you think, well, if I just ask the AI, I don't have to navigate my way through all these websites. Uh-huh. The problem is, after I ask the AI, I find that now I need to go and do the Google search again in order to verify the information that I got. Um, you know, uh-huh. one of the uh, examples that I, I gave in an article I published on, on LinkedIn last week um, was around um, being Canadian and not sort of uh, connected to any of the various European cultures. Anyway, uh, I was I was looking for the lyrics to verse two of the Irish folk song "Johnny Jump Up," and uh, I, I forget which AI I was using. What one of the might have been Bard or anyway one of them. Um, it told me that that was a fictional song. Um. <laughs> So, so, and I, and I thought the the last week I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm working on a presentation and I know there are more screen readers for, um, Android than talkback. There's, there's a couple of others couldn't remember their name. And so I thought, well, why don't I just go over to the AI and say, make me a list of screen readers available on Android. And so it did said number one, NVDA, um, Nope. (laughs) not yet um, and and so <laughs> <laughs> there is Maybe such a there is such a potential for the ai to save us time and for the ai to make it easier and to lower barriers for us as people with disabilities to accomplish more quicker but what's happening now is it's actually taking twice as long because you use the ai then you have to go and use google anyway to to verify the the information you're getting And the thing that I'm curious about is how is this going to work when we have AI that can answer our questions about images? Because if the AI tells me that a song is fictional, I can go Google and I can verify that. If the AI tells me that NVDA is the number one screen reader on Android, I can Google and I can look that up. If the AI tells me that the man in the picture is wearing a blue shirt All of the Google searches in the world won't help me verify that information. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, and and that's your concern, really, isn't it? And I think that's a fair concern because I know myself from some searches, even asking it to come up with an idea for for a topic. And it will go off and tell me about a company that's doing wonderful work in this particular area. And you Google that company and, you know, it's a bit like when – Used to get some dodgy purchases on eBay. You know, they would tell you to contact. I I, I always remember getting. I always remember buying something on eBay, and it it told me that you know I should contact the courier company called Polaris. And you know, I found this 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 company called Polaris, which basically was a shipping company. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, wow, a ship is going to an actual ship is going to deliver (laughs) this product to my house. This is impressive. You know, yeah, clearly yeah. garbage, right? But the fact is that, you know, it, it was just a, it was a scam, right? But the point is that I wonder, and it's interesting, right? Because when you think about that, with all the scam information that is out there as well, that's mixing in with the information that's real. And it's going to take a lot of untangling, isn't it, to get this yep. right? And how, how is that going to be possible? Because if you've just mixed everything into one big pot, how do you fix that?
2: I mean, even at this early stage, yeah, and, and the other thing that um, companies and, and people in the space are worrying about and are talking about a lot is Open AI, ChatGPT, these products exist now, and they are being used all the time to write web pages, to write text, to make things. And so if you want to start a new company and train your AI, How are you going to make sure that all of the data you're training it on was actually created by a human, right? Before 2021, that wasn't a problem. You could just grab comments from Reddit and Facebook. You could just take, you know, stuff from the Internet and be like, well, this is human generated. This is what we can use to train our AI. But now not only is it sort of human generated scams mixed in, it's you're training the AI on data produced by another AI.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting time. It's funny how we always start off trying to be positive about this, and then we all end going, "Oh, it's all terrible." But it, it's not all terrible. That's no. the point. And in fact, the no. potential here is incredible. The, Absolutely. The the challenge is going to be uh, at which point, because it feels like you know. I remember when uh, when the pandemic began. Right, the, I remember mm-hmm. one one of the news reporters talking about when the first lockdown happened in the US. And the the news reporter started off the bulletin by saying, we all remember where we were when this happened or that happened or this major event happened in our lives. But when it comes to the pandemic, well, you know, it kind of happened so fragmented, right? It kind of happened across the world at different points. The lockdowns Mm -hmm. happened at different points. And so you can't really pinpoint the moment where it happened. The same is true of AI, but also the moment when there's almost like the tick box moment where you go tick right that's it it's safe it's all good you can use it there's never really going to be a tick box moment it's like the internet in that sense as well it's just it's always going to be evolving
2: it's a world of yeah it's going to get better and better and it's going to continue to change and i do think that there is a real potential for ai to make the future for people with disabilities vastly brighter but for that to happen We as people with disabilities need to be involved in the conversations that are happening in AI research, in AI testing, in AI training, in AI development. Um, We did a survey at Fable getting kind of the pulse of what the community of people with disabilities who work with us are feeling about AI. And uh, I believe it was only 8% of members of our community felt that people with disabilities were adequately represented in the development of AI. Mm. And you might be saying to yourself, well, now why is that a problem? Well, there are techniques. There are ways that we could make AI more verifiable. For example, what if you had a service where you would take a picture and it would send it to two different AIs developed by two different companies that had nothing to do with each other. If you got two different answers back and they totally disagreed then you'd stop and you'd say to yourself, "Well, hmm, maybe something here is not accurate." But if you got two different answers back, and and both AIs had independently decided that this was a picture of a man wearing a blue shirt, you could be you could well. I'm a lot more you know confident that this is probably true and probably the case. Um, what happens if there are, for example, services that allow you to take multiple photos from different angles? submit all of them to the AI and see if the AI continues to agree about what this picture is showing, right? There, there are different techniques. There are different ways that the verifiability problem could be solved, but this verifiability problem only gets attention and only gets solved if people who are using this technology as people with disabilities are involved because there are a lot of uses for this technology that, aren't our uses, right? There's a lot of people who are using this technology to say, make sure that people aren't uploading not safe for work images somewhere, right? And saying, oh, if it's an image of somebody naked, well, we don't want that here, right? We're just using the AI to identify that. There's a lot of companies that are using AI to make images searchable, right? So if you search all your photos for cat, it'll pull up all your pictures of cats. But those are very different use cases from a blind or visually impaired person having an image described. And I think that goes across the board, whether it's a person with a disability using AI as a writing assistant, whether it is a deaf person using an AI to generate captions, whether it is a blind person using an AI to describe photos or to look up information, we need to be involved in these conversations if the future that we're hoping for is going to come to pass. It's a very interesting discussion. I'm
0: glad, Darren, you asked the question. It's an important one and one we will continue to discuss. Uh,
2: Sam, for people who want to know more about Fable, uh, tell people where they can uh, get involved. Absolutely. Uh, you can find our website at makeitfable.com. Uh, you can you can go there. If you'd like to learn more about our community of people with disabilities and and how you might be able to work with us and what we're looking for, uh to, to join our, our community as we continue to grow and expand. You can visit makeitfable.com slash community. Uh, and you can also visit our fablepathways.com website, uh, which we've discussed on this pro- uh, program previously, uh, where we offer free training courses uh, created by people with disabilities for people with disabilities. We have a, a course um, developed uh, with with Kelly Ford on how to use development tools and github and things like that we have uh, courses on how to get into management as a person with a disability all of the that kind of stuff that i I think one of our focuses at fable is going beyond just bringing people with disabilities into uh testing and development and design of these products but it's also getting more people with disabilities in tech yeah and i love the stuff you do
0: because it's it's meaningful but it's also taking us away from Nothing wrong with this, but you know, a lot of what I hear about in the blind community when it comes to training is that getting started approach, Mm -hmm. which is really important. Absolutely essential. But you know, it's like once I went into an Apple store and I asked about training on Final Cut Pro or iMovie and they Mm -hmm. said, oh, we do classes on this. And I said, yeah, but do you do them with voiceover support? And they said, no, we have, we have training on voiceover. I said, yeah, but once I've learned voiceover, what do I do with it? Yeah, and, they like, tips and, tips. and they're and yeah. they're like, uh that's a great question. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you should answer it, right? And maybe there's a way around this. And maybe if you had some, dis- well, they do have, in fairness, they do have a lot of disabled staff working for them. But, you know, if you're listening to that feedback and you get that perspective then you know you can change that and actually make everything more uh, accessible. Sam, I'm out of time, but listen, it's been a really interesting discussion. Thank you so much for coming on. Samuel Pru from Fable, and uh, thank you uh, for your time today. Uh, and have great fun with that lovely ticking orbit reader 20. I'm very jealous Definitely Thanks for having me Uh, Feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com Join the discussion What do you think? Feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com Is our email address 1-877-803-4567 Is our call-in number You can leave us A voicemail there At any time Of the day or night Uh, We're back tomorrow Sean Priest back with me then Thank you to Sean
1: And to Sam We'll catch you tomorrow